You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller, Simone, and I'm joined, as always, by my all-star squadron, kicking it off to the far left, fresh back from his trip from Charlotte, Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson in the house. We've got... Jimmy the Reaper, Jardine holding it down, fresh off his Take Flight Spitting Fire podcast. We've got good old Harrison the Fireball Glazer, and it looks like that. time being until we catch up. As we begin another episode of Weapons Hot, obviously we have um, our fearless leader, CJ D. Simone, who's over there in a block of, uh, in a block of, what's, what's, what's that, worst <laughs> The Carbonite. Carbonite. All right, yeah. Yep, I'm in a block of carbonite over here. Second half adjustments on the left. Exactly. All right, but let's introduce the star of the show here. Uh, New York Jets former wide receiver, right down there at the bottom, making some time to hang out with us tonight, Mr. Rob Carpenter, ladies and gentlemen. Carp, what's going on, man? Hold up, man. Wait till Sunday, just like you said. I hear that. We appreciate you joining us, man. Thank you for being part of it. Awesome. Carp, real real talk. Thanks again, brother, for joining us. We appreciate you coming back. You know, we have we've had you here before. We were talking uh, you know, a, a, about our our quarterback at that point in time and where we were uh, in that stage of development. And uh as of right now, uh, we're getting ready to jump in with a new one. A lot of questions about this week, but man, but uh you know, uh just just to start off, because I, I mean I know it, I'm not sure we're gonna have you the whole show. Uh give us give us your your, your thirty thousand foot view after the first week, bro. What do you what do you think that you saw and where do you think that we're headed? You know, when you have a, a, a rookie quarterback come in and then take a pounding kinda like he did, you know, first half. He never flinched in the second half and uh, you know, he did what he had to pick them up uh, around him. It seemed like uh, they, they made a quick adjustment at at, at halftime. Kinda keep him on right, but um it just seems like he's heading in the right direction, man. He's, his head is on straight. Uh, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. You know, he just lets the game come as, as it is, man. I completely agree. I think, you know, he nailed it with the second half adjustments. I think that was one of the biggest keys we saw in this because, as we know in the past from, from other head coaches, <laughs> we see guys who it's like it doesn't work. So we have a guy that understands when things go wrong, able to adjust, adapt, make it work. And the offensive line was clearly – a big problem, big problem in that game. And I talked about during the game, and I noticed DJ, uh, one of the beat writers, said he watched the All-22 and confirmed it. To me, even live, it looked like a lot of it was miscommunication, misalignment, mistiming, yeah. that it wasn't like all of a sudden, like, Beckton's bad. Greg Van Roten doesn't add a block. And, like, McGovern isn't excited to be in the system. Yeah, like, they, they weren't on timing. They weren't synced. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I get that. I was asking, did you have a question for, for Cart while we have him online? Oh, we, I'm really excited you're here, man. I really, really am. I appreciate you joining us. What what could you, like, share from, like, your experience in the NFL? I think for that first year, the regime that was there was trying to find guys that they could actually move, move ahead with. Out the guys that actually going to be there and want to – the one thing I like about what's going on now, you don't see any egos on the team for now. Uh, this is a regime to stand for like that, you know, too many me guys. And when you have a, a, a young QB like Zach, pretty much everybody on the team is talking, talking big about him. You know what I mean? When you have guys like CJ saying yeah. this guy's going to make plays regardless because um, he's around him every day. He sees what he's doing. Kind of, kind of brings a, a, a good spark. I can pretty much tell you going down the line, every lineman will say the same thing about Zach. But on the team, that's why they vote on the captain. So, um, you know, the kid is young. The kid has talent. But – Going from what I observed when, uh, you know, when I was playing and in perspective to what's going on now, it's almost the same thing. You know, the, the, the guys that bought in, 
Um, they see the guys that they want around, um, and those guys are going to be playing. And those are the guys they want. They want to see you know, improve week to week. You just always say it all the time. Every week, every day, you know, every day you have practice, get better. From that bad first half in Carolina to the decent second half, and then hopefully it continues to move on. You know, for the rest of the season. It's that that's an awesome take. It, it and and the type of perspective I think that we need to have because I think that uh, you are uniquely qualified. Uh, to kind of answer this question in particular. And I, I know going through Jets Twitter over the course of the past couple of weeks, Denzel Mims has been uh, kind of a question as to what's going on with him and why it is that he, you know, he's in the position that he is. I don't necessarily uh, feel like this is a panic situation. I think, you know, he's a young receiver who is uniquely talented. He's obviously got a lot of the skill set that you'd like to have in a, in a guy who's going to be the guy. Um, but he's still young. I mean, he's really not there yet. I mean, is, is this a, you know, what it is that you're seeing from, of what's going on is you think it's a cause for concern i mean it's just not really a big deal i honestly don't think it's a big deal at the moment um you know it's funny because the the, the post i made during this week about mims is so many people jumped on me about saying they did not good he has talent um he was slowed from this spring uh you know with the sickness that he had he lost a lot of weight to get that back up um he started camp late compared to everybody else so he wasn't in in First of all, he wasn't in shape. Second of all, he wasn't in the mental capacity to be up to speed with everybody else because he missed OTAs, um, and it's a brand system. Now, from the, the days that I was out at uh, training camp practices, it's hard when you're actually on the field trying to learn a system that's brand new on the fly because you're thinking about too many things. So you need to know certain things. When you're out there, when you line up, there's certain things you need to see, and you need to be in tune with the quarterback. And if you're not, you know, um, it just makes things that much worse. The quarterback is actually going to shy away from you because if you don't know exactly, it's kind of funny that Salah actually said that thing uh, in so many words without actually saying it um, when he said he needs to catch up to everybody else and be yeah. uh, up to speed with all three positions across the board instead of just one. You know, he's out of the field and he's behind the number one guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's behind Corey Davis. You're not taking Corey Davis off the field. You're not going to move Corey Davis to another spot no. just to put Mims in. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a, a no-brainer from, from anybody. And it's not just Mims. You know, if you go across the board Absolutely. in every team uh, that's out there, some rookies just have problems catching up. You know what I mean? It takes them a while. Um, not seeing Mims as a rookie, it's just, yeah. just a new system for him. Um, and I, I, that's, the, that's the thing I just see. And regardless of whatever – just Twitter things, man, about him supposed to be on the field. You're not going to put a guy on the field that you don't trust knowing the system when the other guys that are out there knows every every other position, whether it's Berrios, whether it's Smith, um, Cole, you know, Elijah Moore, whoever it is. If those guys know every position out there, they're the guys that's going to be playing. Uh, actually, I had a question about that tweet. Because it was talking about, I, I remember I was looking for it and I couldn't find it, but uh, I remember the tweet saying something along the lines of the fan base. Somebody would go out, miss a block, or you know, miss their assignment because they're not understanding what's happening on the field, and then Jets fan base would automatically go after the the coaching staff for you know what I'm saying uh, for why was he out there in the first place type of thing, and. I, I guess, Rob, what I wanted to ask is, do you think, because the way I feel, and I wanted to see if you if you kind of agreed, do you feel that the fan base is just not used 
to having a solid coaching staff that we're, we just don't understand when it's like we've had such bad coaching for so long that it's the fans don't know how to react when something like this happens. In general, I kind of think that's the case. You know, things have been bad for so long to expect things to be bad. This new regime coming in um, and putting their stamp on the team the way they want to put it down. Also, you know, there's been a series of second-round picks who haven't worked out, especially with that receiver. So, you know, for the fan base looking at that, like, um, you know, it's another wasted second-round pick. Really, it's not. You know, Mims has talent. Um, he just needs to catch up. But at the same time, I think what Joe D saw, what Salo, what the floor saw, with who they brought in this offseason, when they brought in Davis, when they went out and got Cole, they knew they needed to be that whole position. Um, whether it was at Mims' expense or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but that also could be the case. They just they may have felt like, you know, he's not going to be the guy that can play all three positions. He might be stuck in one, which happens. Man. It's, not, it's, it's not always an easy transition, I think, from uh, college to the NFL, regardless of how many plays he made in, you know, were great in college that weren't so great in the NFL. Uh, had great combine workouts that didn't translate to the NFL. It happens all the time. Um, not saying that that's a case, but, you know, when the season, now that the season has started and you see the progression that, that's going on, the guys that are up to speed, the guys that uh, just have trust, those are going to be the guys that are playing on both sides of the ball. Um, we also got to realize this is a young team, um, the, basically the young team in the NFL. So there's going to be a lot of mistakes made from players and coaches because um, coaches going to see, might see that they want, uh, you know, a player, player A, whoever that might be, to be playing. And you know, a few weeks later, the guy's out of the lineup, and fans are going to be questioning why, uh, and vice versa. I got up at the moment, and then a few weeks later, he's in the lineup, and you might hear fans say, he told you so. so. You know, with everything going on, the way this season is going to go along, I think you're going to see some changes, um, you know, not injuries and, and just regular until, uh, you know, they get everything established with who they want out of him. That's interesting. It, it, it is going to be really exciting to see how that folds, how that unfolds. Uh, Harrison, what do you got? Yeah, Rob, I got one more question for you because you made an outstanding point when you were talking about the MIM situation. And as a player yourself, I just wanted to ask, how does it affect like, you know, other players on the field and the locker room when you have a coach that has that mentality that nothing is giving, everything is earned? Like, you know, like, you're not just going to get that position because you're back now. Like, this other guy looks just as good, and it's his job for you to take. Well, every player will run it uh, all day long. They'd rather have a coach say he's going to play the guy that actually deserves to be playing, that earned the spot. The only reason I signed in Philadelphia when I left with the Jets is the meeting that John Gruden and Ray Rhodes, and they lived up to it, uh, you know, straight from the jump. So every player on the team, you know, had full respect for Ray Rhodes. We're not giving anything to anybody. If we're going to have a good team, everybody's going to earn their spot. Um, and it's, it's funny because the MIM situation actually played out sort of with me in Philadelphia. There was a draft race. They had Chris T. Jones, who they wanted to play. He had all the tools. Chris get it through his head to remember anything. So he was stuck in the mud um, regardless of how much they wanted him to play. So he didn't play that much his rookie year. It took him to the following year to actually catch up to speed with the with the playbook 
and get on the field and then start doing what they want him to do. Play for a few years, and Chris T was actually pretty good. But his rookie year, man, he had he had a rough time, you know, um, um, memorizing the playbook, and then everything came from when you were when you go to training camp, OTAs and training camp, because once the game starts, everything is limited down in the game plan. And then there may be some new into the game you didn't see before. So that makes it even worse guy who actually is having trouble um, remembering plays. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's always funny to me when, you know, for this whole week with this thing with the messages, and I'm just going to live right through it. Um, and I'll put ahead of Chris T and put in the starting lineup, you know, because he couldn't remember anything. He, he just had such time remembering plays. We talked about the transition period between the NCAA and coming to the NFL. Do you think it's possible that Denzel Mims kind of got a little bit jaded being drafted in a COVID situation, not really having the benefit of a uh, a full training camp, a full OTA, a full mini camp, practices and pads, etc., to really be able to cut his teeth on the playbook, on live bullets, given the fact that the New York Jets offense was just so abysmal last year? I saw it firsthand when I was out at uh, training camp a couple of days. Definitely behind, man. So um, I made the back then, you know, when when all the beat writers were saying he was going to be cut. I knew he wasn't going to be cut. You know, he does have the talent to be yeah on the field. He started out behind. You know, this this off season, the sickness that he had, I believe it said he lost 20 pounds. You know, that's that's a lot of weight to lose. Right. Try to get back before training camp and then go through training camp without losing it again. Um, sure, he didn't have is, COVID. You know, they get. They get a lot more rest during training camp now than back then. Um, you know, he can he, he was able to withstand it. But then again, he was behind when it came to the playbook. It's one thing when you have a playbook that you can actually that you can actually read or, or scan over the plays. It's totally different when you're actually out on the field and have to run it. Um, when you have to physically hear the play and then you have to run it. And then you have to make adjustments on the fly. There's things that you have to adjust to on the fly as, as the play is actually even being called. You know what I mean? So if you actually can only go out on the field and have one play stuck in your head, and then the quarterback has the audible, and you don't know what the audible is, and the team is stuck, that's going to hurt him. You know what I mean? So um, that could get him killed. If he's looking at you and you don't run it correctly, he gets hit in the mouth, who are they going to blame? They're going to blame the offensive line. They're not going to blame a receiver. The receiver will get blamed when it comes to watch the field. He'll probably curse him out when he gets a sideline. Mm-hmm. But – but in that's when receiver or making a, a, a full adjustment when the quarterback was actually you know holding the ball looking for him to make this this correct adjustment. So there's a lot of little technicalities that come in one little play. It's not always you know as cut and dry as people think. About that, it, it just as things are happening, um, it, it is something to to really just recognize. I, I remember from my own uh, you know a millennia ago uh, playing days, really uh, going in at halftime and, and having the coach you know kind of give us little things that we were needing to adjust mid game. And, and sometimes how those things that you, they would have you swim, but uh, you know, as a rookie, if you, it, uh, how can the quarterback trust you? If, if you don't know the main book, let alone uh, to, to Rob's point, how it is that they're going to need to make adjustments if they need to coming up. Um, I, I, we were going to move a little quick right now. I'm not sure how we are on time, um, but what I, I wanted to jump into uh, uh, my, my man, super J in the front office with Jimmy Jardine. If we may, let's jump it off. What do you got, Jim? Tonight on in the front office, we are looking at some of the linebacking cores and what's available out there. And I, I've tried to put this off as long as I could. I tried to avoid it as long as I could. But people just won't stop talking about it. So we got Chandler Jones. 
coming to the front office tonight. Uh, he's officially requested a trade. He does not want to be in Arizona anymore. He's in the last year of his contract. This is what's intriguing. He's in the last year of his contract. If traded, the team that gets him would only be responsible for the remaining, since it's in the season, the remaining amount of money on his $15.5 million that he was looking to get paid because Arizona would still have to pay the $5 million in uh, signing bonuses. But I would say somewhere along the lines of about $13 million roughly uh, would be what we would be responsible for. Now, what really comes into play is what are you willing to give up for him? Because it's going to cost some draft capital. Uh, I think Arizona would be willing to listen to Serge because of the fact that he isn't going into his last the last year of his contract. He's 31 years old, but the prop the the biggest thing about Chandler Jones is in his nine years, this being his tenth year, he has gotten double digit sacks six of those nine years. 2019, when he got 19 sacks, so almost breaking 20. The guy knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a solid edge rusher. He's one of the top edge rushers outside linebackers. And with our depleted linebacking court, I think it's definitely something we could we could look at. I would say um, a third and a player or a second and a fourth. So overall by the New England Patriots, I think it could be something the Jets can look into. Obviously, I trust Joe Douglas to make the right financial decision. But uh, Chandler Jones, fairly affordable for what he could bring to the table. What do you guys think? Man, that would be awesome. That is, uh, you know, Chandler Jones. I, I think uh, Arizona would be uh, kind of looking at things um, really kind of uh, hard and long right about now, especially after coming off a five-sack game. Um, Rob, what are your thoughts on that, man? What do you think? It would definitely be one of the biggest upgrades this regime could actually make so far. He's been talented. Strange to me that they didn't look into it, uh, you know, trading for him. Because I, I believe he was ready to go from Arizona since last year. So this new regime would have looked into trading for him. Um, you know, him coming off this five-sack game, I know Arizona's probably looking for, you know, a King's ransom for him now. It's going to be interesting, no. though. If he was added to the team, there's so many young parts on this team right now. If he was added to this team, it's going to be a big upgrade. It'd be a lot to re-sign him, you know, after this year is over. Um, so, you know, because he's, he's going to command a lot of money. But with Lawson being signed for, for big money and him, you know, supposedly coming back from injury for next year. I don't know how that dynamic would work, you know what I mean? So um, would they take a chance on signing Chandler for a big, uh, uh, you know, a long-term deal when they got lost and even though he's coming off an injury? Um, they have the money. We know that. They got the salary cap money. It's going to be interesting, man. But don't get me wrong. Would it be a hell of an upgrade uh, for this team? Oh, I was just going to say real quick, uh, I, I've, I've been on that side of the, of the issues from the start. I don't. I like our young guys like Bryce Huff. I love Carl Lawson. So I want to see those guys kind of come back. Um, yeah, he would be an upgrade. I just don't want a really super expensive rental for a year and then just let him walk because we're not getting anything for him after his contract is up. So yeah. it, that's definitely something to consider. I've never wanted to do something like that, but, I mean, on paper, obviously, you know, He's projected to get like 412 sacks or something like that this year already. So, but yeah, I just, I just, I, I keep seeing, uh, you know, adding that name to the, to the group of guys, right? Are, are we talk? Are we talking about him? You know, lining up next to next to CJ Mosley every game, which uh, 
You know, I know that, that that's uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, Harrison, uh, let let loose, bro. Let loose. What he got? Yeah, man. So right when you know they started rumoring and floating names of the Jets potentially getting some edge rushers, I threw those guys out. I threw Chandler, jo- uh, Chandler Jones out as the best option. I put up the numbers he put up. I don't have it in front of me. The stats I was able to show. Uh, there were a lot of other guys I liked. I like Everson Griffin, but he wound up signing back with the Vikings. I liked him as a free agent because you could just bring him on. You don't have to trade anything. Uh, I also liked uh, Vic Beasley in that way. You bring it off the street and you don't have to trade anything to get a guy like that. He has shown in a 4-3 system before <clears throat> at the time. But I like the guys we have, and I've said it in the past. Like Jimmy kind of mentioned it before. You guys now I feel on Bryce Huff. Like CJ knows, like, this is my guy. Like, I felt like this guy is going to show people. Like, when we got him last year as an undrafted guy. And Lawson will be back next year. I mean, like most guys in the NFL, you got to come back and you did. And I think he can Say so he'll be back next year. You got Huff on the edge. Franklin Myers and Foley Fadukasi look like two of the best Jet players, period. Like I covered in my show, I think those guys are like two potential breakout stars right now. Like Foley Fadukasi and Franklin Myers look outstanding in the run and the pass. You still got Quinnen in there who was neutralized last game. He's going to show. Rankins is going to show. I like it, man. I feel like that is a quality defensive line that can get to the quarterback. And I may, like I so said, like – they could bring in a big name like that, but honestly, knowing Joe Douglas, I like all those guys. I think he's looking toward the draft. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like all those big name guys, but I think, you know, like with every other neglected position, he tried to get a big edge rusher. It didn't work out with Carl Lawson yeah. this season, unfortunately. I think definitely first round, second round, he's taking a top edge rusher. Harrison's getting, you, 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 look, uh, again, spitting fire. We love it. I think Rob's going to take off. Yeah, I got to call, fellas. Just got to text him. Speaking of the lady up right. in uh, Saturday's class. That's what's up. Well, yeah. listen, thank you. We appreciate thank you tuning in. Oh, very much. Yes, Rob. A friend of the show. We always love having you on. You want to give us some information? I know you got to run. You want to give us your information where we can follow you? I'll go back on, man, in, uh, another time when I got more time. But, um, you know, right. you know, you got that. Uh, That's that, what's that, up. Put me on Twitter. It's Rob, Rob Carpenter 81. I'm on um, Instagram. Rob um, Those are my tags, man. I got you. Appreciate thanks, Rob. We appreciate it. All righty, Rob. Thanks for coming on with us tonight. Appreciate you. And guys, please check him out on Twitter. Yes, please. Look, Rob, consummate professional. Uh, a, a really dope follow on 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 Twitter as well. Really uh, interactive. You know what I'm saying? Uh, plus, you know, he's, he's relevant. A lot of stuff going on right now. That uh, when Rob speaks, you know, you you kind of want to be pay attention. Um. So look, fact of the matter is, it's time for Harrison's segment, my man. Look, <laughs> let's just move. You know, fact like, of the matter. Yeah. Look, the, <laughs> the, the fact of the, the fact of the matter is, uh, we got to keep it moving. I know we're going to be coming up uh, on it here in just a moment, and because I know you got the long chain for the Gatlin gun, let's go ahead and pull it out. There's a lot of guys that could be on down, you know, on, on my, I talked about, you know, on my show, the keys to victory. There's a lot of key things. I was going to bring up the Jets defensive line, but I just talked about them. An interesting thing to keep in mind with the Jets defensive line, though, is even though it didn't translate to sacks, they actually played very well. People don't realize that, and I showed that after the game. The Carolina Panthers ended the game with 10 quarterback hits. The Jets had eight. And they actually had three guys that had three pressures each, just nine among the three of them, between JFM, Quinnen, and Bryce Huff. So, unfortunately, those eight quarterback hits and nine pressures only translated to one sack. So that's something I feel like Sal is going to address. He's going to look at it and go, well, the pass rush was there and the defense played well. Why didn't it work? And the other thing for that defensive line is shutting down the run game because McCaffrey's one of the best in the game. I, you know, hope they'd shut him down, but I'd said that. Damian Harris has looked awesome. This dude had 23 carries last game, 100 yards, 4.3 average. 
but he's no Christian McCaffrey. So by getting 23 carries, he tells me this dude's using him to open up the pass game to allow, you know, to take pressure off Mac Jones. If you shut down Damian Harris, you put infinitely more pressure on Mac Jones. And then if that Jets defensive line, we talked about all that pass pressure being there, they can translate it this week. That's the key, man. That's the key. Outstanding. Oh, well, once again, look, I, I got to say this. Um, I really, really, I maybe just kind of want to question uh, with the fumble that he had last week, is he uh, going to kind of end up being in the in the Bill Belichick doghouse? And you know how quickly Bill Belichick will will, will kick your ass to the curb and throw somebody else in behind. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead. I, I like that kid. I, I, I think well, from what it is that I saw, you're absolutely right. He's dangerous. Um, but, you know. Bill Belichick uh, is 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 really well doing the same thing uh, that you expect him to do when you when you really want him to I do think it. In, I could be wrong here, and please correct me if I am. Right, I'm looking at the Patriots depth chart right now. Okay. Is Matt Jones the only quarterback on that roster? No, Jared Stedham is there too. <laughs> and there's also Brian Hoyer, I believe, yeah, who they, who they can elevate. Is, is he, is he I mean, he's on the depth chart. Yeah, they brought Hoyer back too. They re-signed Hoyer. Because I was going to say, I'm looking at this. I'm like, they or, got or, one quarterback or on their depth chart. Is Hoyer on the practice squad? Hoyer's on the practice squad right now. Yeah, I, I'll bring up their roster. I was looking at their depth. Jim, what do you think, man? I was like. Anything Bill Belichick gives me a bad taste in my mouth because I think the guy's just nothing but a cheater. If you have one I, rookie I, quarterback I, on a team, that's ridiculous. Like, what no, happens to I, I I can't believe that that that's who actually. Belichick's coming in at quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I can't Belichick's believe that's ready to slug that shit down um, but but if if my memory serves correct, when when I when I thought that I heard they signed Brian Hoyer, I thought they signed him to the practice squad, and uh, that On doesn't the roster, help I don't him. Yeah, Jones, that's it. I, I, and and right now, I'll just be honest, I don't know, I don't even know. It, it's the Patriots. I don't remember. I didn't hear Stidham win anywhere, and I Hoyer's know they, the I know they brought Hoyer back, so I don't know what they're doing. Belichick yeah. probably they're has control over the website. Yeah. He's like he's psyching y'all out right now. Right? <laughs> Belichick probably has control over the web of the Patriots website, and so he's like, yeah. only list Mac Jones on there to keep everybody guessing. Yeah. No Come on, Mac Jones no, is a punter. No one cares. Right? <laughs> he has a chump. It's the final fifty-two. Now I want to say my piece. The Jets' offensive line sucks. Let's Come call on. it what it is. All right, they went up against a crappy offensive line, and they still couldn't get to Sam Darnold. We all talked about we were going to sack Sam Donald 10 times last week. Remember? All right. Jimmy wanted Sam seeing demons. He didn't see nothing. You know what he saw? He saw a bomb that he threw to Robbie Anderson while he was flipping us the bird in the end zone. That's what he saw. We need the offensive line to get better. That's what Robert Sala needs to address because the numbers are there. We need the offensive line to get better. Becton's going to be sidelined. Pretty much the majority of the season, he may not be back until week 10, the way it's looking like, especially with the surgery that he's got to go through. So AVT has to pull his head out of his ass. And this is a kid who didn't take any reps in training camp. And now you got George Fant playing the left side and Morgan Moses on the field playing the right. Here we go again. Ah, and as far as Denzel Mims is concerned, okay, if the, if, if the kid is behind on the playbook, because I know that he was injured, but that doesn't give you an excuse to put your playbook, you know, someplace else. He's going to have to fight for his roster spot, just like Rob situation? was talking about. All right? He's going to have to fight for his roster yeah. spot. But the main I, thing I is that I'm worried about going into this Patriot yeah. game right now is if 
we don't make the adjustments on this offensive line, we're going to get Zach Wilson killed by the bye week. Look, we have we have some questions about how they're going to shuffle. Um, I really am a little nervous about what it is that we're going to see from Morgan Moses. If they felt like he wasn't even good enough to supplant George Fan at right tackle, we move him to left. Does that mean we're taking a significant decrease in talent at both positions? Well, yeah, we are. In his presser, Dick, about how he struggled a bit at left tackle, transitioning with his footwork and being a little different. Morgan Moses, I mean, he's still at right tackle. He looked pretty good. I mean, it's not ideal. It really isn't. But I think, you know, I think Fan beat him. And that, if you guys remember, that was my surprise take. Like, I loved when we signed Morgan Moses. Like, I talked all about the numbers, the stats, but he didn't look good in the preseason. He didn't do enough to take Fan's job. And Fant looked better. I remember but I said they, it. They, they, I, I the whole line was terrible. Week one. Yeah. I remember. I, right. I remember specifically when I said I think I, I really think they like Fant. Uh, Jim, what do you think? I think you just move Morgan Moses over to the left side, put Fant back at right tackle where he shines, and call it a day. Wow. Yeah, but can but, uh, but can Moses actually make yeah. the transition to the left tackle? Left tackle. Yeah, he's done it before. Left, that's Moses played left tackle last year and had his career year. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. That's why I was surprised that he didn't play left tackle and fans stay at right. I was surprised. That, that's surprising. But I, I, I think, think it, they, it's, it's a testament to fan winning the position, I guess. Yeah, and they yeah. figure he's the better tackle, so he gets the blind side would be my guess. Morgan, Morgan Moses at left tackle, you think that creates uh, think that creates a little media buzz, huh, if, if he plays well? Listen, if he plays well, I, I don't hey, give a damn it, how, much play, media, how, how much media buzz up. it creates. Just play well and keep my quarterback safe. Especially against the Patriots. Facts. Especially against the Patriots. Come on now. These guys are football players. I I don't know why everybody has gotten under this thing like, or you might hurt this player's feelings if if his job is in question. Who cares? They are athletes and they thrive on that pressure. If they if you have a player that doesn't thrive on that type of pressure, get him out of the building anyway. Exactly. If you exactly. if you need if Beckton needs somebody, Beckton needs to stop being told that he's the end all be all of left tackles. I love the kid. I think he's gonna be great. He could be Hall of Fame worthy. He needs somebody that's gonna threaten his job so that he steps up and does what he needs to do. I'm not. I'm not one to say that Beckton needs to lose weight or anything like that. But can you imagine if he were to trim 25, 30 pounds off? He did actually. And, and stack again. I'm gonna keep it real. Is is that even possible for that guy? Though? But can you imagine the speed? The speed increase. Can you imagine the speed and strength increase he would have? But he's already as fast as, uh, yeah. as every left tackle needs to be. Right, but faster, the, faster than anyone his size. But here, right? but, but, but guys, guys, guys here's the thing: we're talking about Connor McGovern, Connor McGovern, who freaking let you may as well have put a rain barrel in front of Zach Wilson, and it probably would have been more protection than Connor McGovern was. I understand Zach Wilson is a badass. Those throws that Don't he had me. in the I second. Yeah. Hey, in the see, second quarter. Remember me? I yeah. talked all about. Remember how? Yeah. All right. 
Right. But, 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 but we, we don't have a backup. Devil's advocate real quick. I mentioned it before with, with Carp, you know, I, I, by accident. I didn't mean, I thought you guys were asking me about it. But with the offensive line, I noticed it while I was watching the game. The biggest issue was miscommunication or lack of proper positioning or timing or alignment or missing the wrong something. It wasn't like, like we said, it wasn't like they just were awful at what they do. So it's all fixable. And I noticed DJ Bienemy, he said he went and watched the All-22, and he confirmed the same thing. So it's all fixable. There's no more freaking excuses, like CJ's saying. It's time to fix it. Our investment right. is back there. Our I know it's taking you time, but it's tough. We don't need him getting killed. So these are all fixable issues. It's time to fix it now. Right. The guy back there needs to survive. Shout out to Guy Fisher. Sunday is, our, Sunday is a test of our culture change. If our coaches can adjust during the game and to see our running backs can grow through adversity. Yeah, completely agree. But here's the thing, all right? One of the things that we saw in the Panthers game, which was very, very encouraging, for the first half of the game, no doubt. We got our asses handed to us. No doubt. What happened in the second half of the game? We made defensive adjustments, and we held the Carolina Panthers to three points, okay? But here's the thing. Offensively, we started clicking. We started to find creases within that defense, okay? And we made a go of it. What we need to do here is we need to build off that second quarter of the Carolina Panthers game and make an entire 60-minute game out of it against the New England Patriots where we're matching them adjustment by adjustment. We can't be afraid of the Bill Belichick mystique anymore, all right? This is going to be a true test. Now, regardless of the Patriots and the $165 million that they spent or whatever, they're in win-now mode. We get it. But you know what? They just got their ass to the Miami Dolphins. All right? A team they should have beat. If they were that good, you would have beat the Dolphins. If you think you're that good to conquer the AFC East, you beat teams in your division. You don't lose to them. So you know what? This is a good first test for the Jets. We can finally see a little bit if this team has, in fact, improved. Build off of what you accomplished in the second half of in this Patriots game and make another full 60-minute game. You already accomplished one goal. You've proven that you can play 60 full minutes of football without guys giving up on plays. You've proven that. Now be consistent and make it two games in a row, regardless of what the score is. If you got to send Mac Jones out of the game with a concussion, you do it. Period. All right, anybody else got thoughts on this? You say, you know, the Patriots are a win-now team. They have a rookie. You can't be a win-now team with a rookie quarterback. That's a contradiction. What that means is the Patriots... According to Bill Belichick, they think they are. They were ready to give them the AFC East Championship game in the offseason. They were completely discounting Buffalo. And Buffalo just came off an AFC Championship game appearance. No, I agree. Look at last year. Cam Newton and the Patriots struggled. They were not a good team. You now have that team with a rookie quarterback at the helm. You're not a win now team. If you say you're a win now team, you're a real bit you're a rebuilding team in denial. And that's what the Patriots are right now. They're a team that doesn't want to accept. They're trying to throw talent around him to see if they can somehow hit the target. But they're gonna learn quick. That ain't Tom Brady back there. I think any realistic assumption of, of what the AFC East uh, was going to look like coming into this season would have Buffalo, um, then Miami, then the Patriots, and then, you know, quite possibly us. 
I think that's just if, if I was going to say I would be able to accept what someone was going to say, someone from the outside looking in. Um, I think Miami's a better team than the Patriots. That that's just point blank. Right. They, they were last season also, and that's you know that's notwithstanding all the other nonsense. So 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 realistically, I think, and obviously the hierarchy is Buffalo, Miami than us, and the Patriots are 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 a distant, um, a distant fourth place right now, just based on how it is that I think that we are going to grow uh, over the course of the season. I'm not sure if Mac Jones is going to get much better. Than than where it is that he had. I think I I think this is I want to be I want to be careful with how it is that I choose my words here because you don't want I Bill Belichick Mac Jones yep. ceiling. Right. Well well put it this way, Jax, I'm gonna piggyback off of your point. You don't want this being a being a get right game for the Patriots, right? Oh, Jets have a rookie secondary. Oh, they have a thin linebacking core. Oh, their defensive pass rush is not all cracked up, all what it's cracked up to be. Mac Jones mm-hmm. and Nelson Aguilar should be able to go off, right? Oh, the running game should be able to go off. Well, this is where you got to turn up the intensity if you're Robert Sala no. and Jeff Albrick. This is this is where you have to recognize that Mac Jones was the worst of the quarterbacks that just came out in this draft class. And if you do what it is that we expect for them to do, Mac Jones is not going to be able to beat us, regardless of 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 what their 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 run game looks like. Yeah, I just again I I said this, them and, and excuse me respectfully. I said this. I remember I said this to you, Jim, when we were talking about the the, the Trey Lance and Mac Jones, uh, you know, argument for for who 49ers should pick. And I just remember I kept saying, look, Trey Lance has, you know, uber ceiling. Like, the, like the, the sky's the limit with this kid. Mac Jones going to be the best Mac Jones probably next season that you'll ever get. Right. It's the same with Josh Allen. I, I believe that Mac Jones is going to hit his ceiling and that and that's it. Josh Allen is, is already is at his ceiling. Well, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen is at his ceiling. But let's let realistically, let's say that his ceiling is pretty high. But he's sure. not going to continue. He's not going to continue to play at that level, which is why I feel like we are in we are in a phenomenal position right now. Uh, Harrison, you, you had something. Come on in, bro. Well, I, I would disagree. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember my whole QB gal thing. You know, I went all in the Zach Wilson. Why I wasn't a fan of Justin Fields with Matt Jones. I always came back to. I liked everything I saw in him. But if you guys remember, I just I felt like it was impossible to gauge. I came back to remember those great systems that you know get the best talent available. I joked that you know he's got more like Sam Darnold would have killed somebody last year to have the talent that Mac Jones had in college. I just felt like it was really hard to get a gauge on him. But I liked everything I saw. I did. So I can't say it definitively, but I would say he's got a high potential. I just again, it's just it's it's hard for me to gauge. It was hard for me to gauge at Bama, but I definitely think he does have the potential. I'm, I'm throwing I'm throwing it out right here. So yeah. so Kev, CJ, you guys keep it. You book it. I'm throwing it out right here. I'm going with Buffalo. Jets, Patriots, Dolphins. I feel like that's how we're going to end this Really? That's oh, how that's my division. That's what I think. I think that's the division, how, the season's going to end with Buffalo, Jets, then Patriots, then Fins. I don't know about the Fins. I don't know. I think I think two is better than that. I think two is better than Mac Jones. Um, I think maybe Brian Flores might not be as good as Bill Belichick and kind of see that point. Um, I expected by the end of the season we would be number two. I, that, the that Dolphins? Was, that's always been my expectation. The Dolphins are a hologram. The Dolphins look good on paper, but there is nothing behind their top. Like, Xavier Howard, who's behind him? 
That's the thing. I felt the same way with the Dolphins. They, they Tua had no offense last year. That was the biggest problem. And they've succeeded in continuing to yeah, get they got, of an offense. They, they, they have, a, have enough talent to succeed. Yeah. Even if you like him or don't. They have a stacked wide receiver room with, you know, with uh, Parker and Waddle. Yeah, Waddle's looking good, too, man. Waddle is looking good. But, but, but see, what happens when one of them goes down? There's nobody behind him. Just like there's never nobody playing to us. What's up with Jacecki, right? Like, like, are, is, is are they even getting the tight end uh, involved right now? Isn't that why they drafted him high? I, I think that the Dolphins are number three in the division by the end, but I think the Patriots, like I said, the Dolphins are a hologram. They they have pieces that stay healthy. They're going to be tough, but I think that the Patriots are just a shell of what they used to be. So the Patriots are number four for me. So I say Buffalo, Jets, Dolphins. And then the Patriots move going down the line, but I, I did find out the roster is Mac Jones, Jarrett Stidham is their backup, and get this, a, a kid named Garrett Gilbert. I don't even know why I'm calling him a kid. He's 30 years old, but he's in his fourth year. Garrett Gilbert is their 30-year-old third-string quarterback from SMU. That's who we're looking at. You know, Damian Harris. Okay, yeah, he's a good running back, but. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, not worried about him. Kendrick Bourne, not worried about him. Nikhil Harry, not worried about him at all. Remember when Jets fans wanted Nikhil Harry? I, I know I did. I was like, yo, if we can get him late, I would love to get him. Yo, Nikhil Harry, he's a scrub, dude. He's a scrub. Jacoby Myers, not worried about him. Trey Nixon, not worried about him. I'm not worried about the wide receivers. Okay, Mac Jones looks like a pillow, so I'm not really worried about Mac Jones. Like, he does... He does a lot of things that I like. <laughs> Matt Jones looks like a <laughs> He does, dude. Like. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, oh, man. I wish we would do it after dark. I would have so much stuff to say about that. Oh, my God. Kevin's right. shaking his head because he, knows, uh, he knows I'm right. Ultimately, here's, here's how – this is my, my final words on, on this particular aspect of it, right? So, uh, Stefan Gilmore, other than that, I'm not really worried. Kyle Van Noy's out. Mac Jones, does he does things that I like, but he doesn't do anything that I love. I love Zach Wilson's arm. I love Zach Wilson's decision-making. I love his progressions, his reads. When you look at Mac Jones doing something, you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. Okay, he's got a pretty good arm. But you're not like, nothing wows you about it. So, uh, that's... I'm not worried. I'm not worried about this game. I think this is a get-right game for the Jets. How about that? To hell with the Patriots. This is a get-right game for the Jets, and we're gonna we're gonna bounce back. Kevin, it's on you. Who who you got in the spotlight tonight? I'm sure you got right, something um, interesting yeah, for me. Look in the spotlight tonight, Elijah Moore. Um, and and and, and realistically, I could have gone a few different places. I could have just took a floodlight and just kind of you know kind of went across the whole. Uh, organization right now because coming off of that first week loss I still think there's a feeling of positivity I still think we're looking at things that we can say we did well enough to feel confident to be to feel positive about right um obviously the stuff that we didn't like the offensive line you know some of the some of the you know uh, the the defense that we expected to kind of step up not stepping up the reason why we didn't pull this game out and and just realistically in thinking is because we didn't have all of what it is that veteran teams who know how to win do. And that is why I am 
putting the spotlight specifically on Elijah Moore this week, because I think there's a difference in what it is that we saw and what it is that we will see. We didn't see much of Elijah Moore. We, we, we saw him drop a touchdown pass. Unfortunately, that's not the type of highlights we expected to get from this kid. Um, we saw him, we saw him make a couple of plays. We actually saw him do a couple of things. I actually, um, just in going back and kind of watching the game again, I realized that I saw him be open a lot. He was open a lot. Um, and I think that once I'm going to speak this into existence, once we work out these issues with these guys up front, Elijah Moore becomes the X factor type of playmaker that transforms what it is that people are going to be able to see from us. Um, I'm expecting Elijah Moore to be available on third downs. I'm expecting Elijah Moore to change the philosophy of running every first down. I, that, that's my expectation from him. My expectation is for, for us to see him, you know, get some jet sweeps and for us to see him, you know, average maybe 15 to 30 rushing yards per game because of the way that we can use him um, and, and, and the versatility that he brings. Um, I, I, I like what it is that we saw from Corey Davis. I think the expectation is Corey Davis is going to be the guy. Um, I didn't really, you know, kind of see anything from anyone else really um, that made me feel confident that we've got studs. Even Mims, and we talked about that earlier, he shined in this one play. But how consistent can we expect that to be? And is that the, the, the case of, you know, the broken clock just being right? It's difficult to say. What it is that I can say is that Elijah Moore, if that kid is alive, alert, and active and making plays, it really does change quite a bit of what else goes on around him. And, and you know, I want to keep this short and sweet tonight, guys, just because we all kind of have our own levels of, of really – uh, you know, excitement based upon what it is that this kid does. Um, but, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, interested to see how you guys are just in particular. Harrison, I want to start with you. What do you think, brother? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think you nailed it with the welcome to the NFL moment because that's exactly how in, in my show I explained Elijah Moore, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, this uh, – he didn't have an offseason, really. He didn't have – I mean, he had, you know, OTA's minicamp, but he didn't have the preseason. He didn't have the time on the field against another opponent to get his timing down like Corey Davis did with Zach Wilson, where we literally saw from week one to two massive changes in their timing and their chemistry and the way they developed to the point where week one we saw Corey Davis fall to the right beautifully and Zach hit him. The, the plays were great. Touchdowns. Elijah Moore had that welcome to the NFL moment with many yeah. key drops like that. And that's one thing. Like, I pointed that out, too. Like, if Elijah Moore had caught that 50-yard bomb, that would have been, like, the number one Sports Center highlight for, like, two weeks. Because Zach Wilson's throw was massively underappreciated because Elijah Moore dropped it. But forget the fact that Moore dropped it. If you watch Zach Wilson, he evades the pocket, escapes the pressure, resets his feet, and then effortlessly throws a 50 like yard bomb yeah. downfield and hits Elijah Moore perfectly. If he would have caught that, that would have been like the, Oh my God moment that I think that would have been on sports center for like ever. Yeah. So a lot of key drops by Moore. He's got to clean that up. But again, playing, you know, uh, so that's a big thing, but we also got, you mentioned Corey Davis, man, Corey Davis is a guy to be excited about. Like he's been saying, like I pointed out all off season, like this guy, he wants to be a wide receiver one. Look at the numbers. Corey yeah. Davis never had more than five touchdowns in any season 
with the Titans to week one. He was three yards short of 100. If he keeps that up, look at like like on Twitter, the rhetoric changed. Remember, before week one, it was like, can Corey, can Corey Davis be a wide receiver one? Now the story is like, can Corey Davis be one of the best wide receivers <laughs> in the NFL? Like, that's what people are saying now. Like, it's changed. Like, Corey has arrived, man, and the timing with Zach is just getting better. The chemistry is getting better. Elijah is going to become the guy. It's going to take some time. Again, didn't yeah. have it. It's going to he's going to get it but Keelan Cole we mentioned everyone's like so upset with Denzel Mims but why aren't we like Keelan Cole's not a bad player I've shown he's made catches before where he's legit look like a wide receiver one like he's talented he's not old he's still young if he again if it's Mims is is taken from him everyone's upset Mims doesn't have the spot but if Cole has like seven eight hundred yards if I honestly think between Davis Cole Moore and Crowder those are just that that's it I feel like those four guys are going to be Zach's big weapons this year if between the four of them they have 4,000 yards man no one's going to be upset like it's like the same thing like you know when Sam Darnold left it's like the same thing like everyone's like you know Sam's not here anymore if you're still a fan you're a Darnold fan you're not a Jet fan like I'm a Jet fan like I want Mims to be awesome but you know if freaking Keelan Cole balls out and so does Crowder and so does Moore man I'm good I'm cool. I think 4,000 yards is actually really doable. And and I see actually our running backs uh, being able to contribute that um, if we can ever get our offensive line figured out. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think, bro? Moore's going to be just fine. Um, he's he's going to get there. A lot of the reasons that we have to talk about this stuff is because Jets fan base, the Jets fan base is just so starved for something positive and good. Like you see, you see Elijah Moore drop a couple passes, and then everybody throws their hands up in the air and is like, "Well, season's over. I'm gonna go watch Family Guy now." The bust. The bust. Bro, speaking of bro, speaking of Family Guy, remember that one with the Mets? Remember when they're like, "Here's the first pitch of the first game, and the season's over." Yeah, yeah. Exactly it's exactly what it is. That's the life of Mets being a Jet fan. Yet. We're gonna talk about our three keys to victory. We're gonna go in this uh, in this order. Jimmy, you're gonna kick it off. Then we're gonna spin around to Jacks. Uh, Harrison's going to finish it up, and then I'm going to finish it up as we start going into final thoughts as we're starting to come up against it. So let's rock and roll. So my three keys to victory is that I need I need this offensive line to just to, to at minimum at minimum play twenty percent better than what they did last week. Play twenty percent better than they played in the second half. My second key is it, it kind of hinges on that first one is they got to establish the run game. The, the running backs have to find the holes. They, they can't – no Le'Veon Bell sitting, sitting in the backfield for seven minutes waiting for something to develop. It's not Pittsburgh's offensive line. Okay, just find the hole. One cut, five yards is better than negative two. Just get the hole. Just keep building that, that confidence that the secondary, the defensive secondary is already established. They didn't give up any penalties. They didn't give up. In, like they, they were, they played really well. The young kids played really well across the board as an entire unit. And I just want to, I want to keep that going because Carolina's passing attack, not Sam Darnold, their receiving core, what is way better than what we're going to face this. Week. And we kept those guys in check, so this should be a nice little easier time of it. And uh, and that's. I think they just continue to build that confidence and, and they're going to, you guys are going to start to see what I see in this group. I think my three are, are going to be a little unorthodox, right? 
and maybe just maybe just because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, or maybe because I'm crazy, or maybe because I just want to piss people off and people who you know already tell me that my takes are crap. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Here we are. My three keys. My first key: special teams. Y'all hear me scream special teams quite a bit. I mean, probably a lot more than most people would would think that you know some a rational person might. Um, but I'm just going to keep it real. Difficulties on offense. We have difficulties on defense. We've got one of the best special teams units in the league. Point blank, period. Let's talk about it. Because I think that might actually need to be where it is that we find some of the consistency that allows us to either, you know, put points on the board or, or quite possibly take them off. Um, when we really need for a play to be made. So special teams is going to be key for me. If we can win the special teams, if we can win the special teams battle this week, I think we win the game hands down. And, and, and we'll see what, uh, what, what we'll see. We'll see what Moorhead looks like this week. I think uh, coming in, um, I hope that the, the little stint at punting hasn't done anything uh, to switch up routine because uh, that guy was on, on his way to really being, I think, uh, you know, a, a really big part of what it is that we do. But uh, as, as we move, um, my point number two, I have to see uh, what the, the new infusion of linebacker talent has, uh, you know, with regards to being able to really just hold their own against what Bill Belichick and, and, and Scott McDaniel are going to want to do uh, this week on offense. It, it's going to be difficult, man. We've got some really intelligent guys on that side of the field who know how to scheme. They know how to game plan. They know how to go against what your weaknesses are. It's it's how it is that, uh, you know, they've been able to to cheat their way to success for so many years, right, Jim? You know, talk about, talk to me about that, right? Um, but 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 realistically, that's that's a really big key for us um, because I think that, you know, again, I think we're going to see a little bit better production uh, from the guys up front. I just think that this, based on not just – not just a, a, a level of talent difference, um, but I think a mentality difference. I think these guys are going to come in hungry this week. I think they're kind of pissed off after they lost last week, knowing that we kind of were in that game and probably should have won it if we had a couple of things go our way. Key number three, and I, and I, I want to say last but not least, but I'm going to keep it real. It is kind of the least for me, right? I want to see the type of pissivity that we see from this offensive line. I want them to come out. I want them to play. I want them to play like they're trying to injure someone. I want them to play like like like, like they're trying to, to to cause penalties by by just being nasty and by just you know I I, I real talk. Um, I want to see attitude. I, I want to see execution. Obviously, right? The execution is is more important. But uh, what it is that I want to see? I want to see our offensive line come out. I want to see them guys play like uh like they realize they got their asses kicked last week and that. You know, this is the week where they, you know, they've they've gone, they've done their push-ups, they ate their Wheaties, and now we're coming back to give you the business. That's really what it is that I want to see. So those are my three keys. Um, Harrison, let's knock them out the box, bro. Yeah, and before we get to, you know, before we get to the three keys, just shout out, because you brought up special teams. I feel like signing Thomas Morstead is a great move by Joe Douglas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the dude's not a young guy anymore. And, like, you know, um, <laughs> ex exactly. And also last year he had, you know, career lows in punt yards uh, per punt, longest punt. But he's also, I mean, I've always been a big fan of him in New Orleans. Like, I mean, literally for like a decade plus this guy only played for the New Orleans Saints. And I always liked him. I thought he was very good. So, yeah, he's not what he used to be. But I think considering we lost, man, he's an excellent signing. 
Like, I really like we found out that he's our punter. I like that they brought him on. So key-wise, the first one I mentioned before, and I mentioned a lot of them already, so just quickly going through, my first key is that defensive line in a two-fold way. they got to stop the run. We mentioned Damian Harris. He had a big game last week because, again, that running game took the pressure off the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, opened up the passing game, which is what you want. Like, that's what they had to do. And Jimmy pointed out, we failed miserably. Like, I'm going to get into the, the running game was a joke. Like, our committee had less than 50 groups in that game like that's pathetic just absolutely pathetic but damian harris had 23 carries last week get average 4.3 per carry got to shut him down and he's their workhorse if you shut him down that puts all the pressure on mac jones now that defensive line we also mentioned the pressures were there it just didn't translate i hope again that's something solid addressed and they're going to change that and now they're going to get to the quarterback and mess mac up and if you can mess mac up and get in his face as a rookie and you shut down the running game well, that's how it's going to happen. My second one is, you guys mentioned the uh, the young DBs. As you guys know, that was a big thing with me. Like, I loved our young DBs. I was saying all offseason, you know, Bryce Hall. I've been saying it's Bryce Hall lockdown season all offseason. You guys remember, I've been talking nothing about how this guy can be an excellent CB1, I feel. You got Eccles on the outside. You got Gidry and Carter, the two in the slot. I feel like the four of them are massively underappreciated. The four of those guys are young and they haven't proven yet, but the potential is very, very high. And like Jimmy pointed out, week one, they did well against much better wide receivers, much better wide receivers. So I love the potential of that room. Echoes and Hall on the outside, Gidrian Carter in the slot. I feel like they can have a really big game. Same thing on the other side of the ball with Corey Davis. We mentioned, you know, I mentioned earlier, Gilmore is not going to be in there. He's going to have a... Uh, pretty decent matchup with J.C. Jackson, who's also pretty much a CB1 in his own right. That's going to be an interesting matchup. My last key is that offensive line, the trenches, man. We talked about the defensive trenches. The offensive line was horrible last week, just absolutely horrible. And yes, we talked about that. It wasn't just like they're an awful offensive line. They bad calls, bad alignments, miscommunication, but it needs to get together. Like we said, the future's back there. Our investment is back there. Zach Wilson, the guy that I feel can be as great as anybody, is back there. you got to let that kid do that. And it doesn't matter how great your wide receivers are or anything or how good your quarterback is if he doesn't have time to throw the ball. So he needs time to throw the ball. And like you mentioned with that running game, it was awful last week. Ty, uh, Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, and Michael Carter together at 45 yards in week one. What I like is CJ's guy, Michael Pirine, who's totally made me a fan. I, I love him now as a power back. He's back. He's been, uh, and Josh Adams has been elevated. So two power backs are now back in the rotation. So I feel like hopefully Michael Pirine and Josh Adams make a difference here, but we need a running game. We had no running game week one. Like we saw with Mac Jones, the running game helping him out. You need a running game. Zach Wilson will eventually be the guy that can do it on his own, but it ain't going to be week two of his rookie game, rookie season. That ain't happening. My three keys to the game, plain and simple. First off, offensive line has to play better. You have to dominate in the trenches. The Jets need to dominate on both sides of the trenches, which means that the defensive line has to get that, has to get that pass rush going. You have to shut down the New England run game. You have to make... Mac Jones, try and beat you with the arm. And the reason being is because they cannot run the ball. The Patriots have had difficulty running the ball in the past. They had a little bit of difficulty moving the ball on the ground last week. We need to continue that trend. Now, that being said, key number two, Jets offense. Jets offense needs to build off the success that they had last week in Carolina. Granted, it was only for a half. They made the adjustments, 
But Zach Wilson's got to be able to stay upright and deliver that ball. And the wide receivers have got to make those catches. And, of course, encompassed with the offense, just to piggyback on everybody's point, we talked about the running game, right? Can't, can't establish the pass unless you establish the run. So the run's got to get established. Plain and simple. Establish the run. Open up the pass. Win the battle in the trenches. And there you go. And last but certainly not least, a special teams mention. Shout out to our long snapper, Thomas Hennessy, who is probably the MVP of the team, according to Scott Gillespie. Okay, and of course, another guy too. Shout out to Matt Amendola last week, pulling double duty after Braden Mann got hurt. And he's going to be out for the next six weeks too with an injured knee. So, Spence is going to be crucial. Plain and simple, keep Pelichick off balance. Keep the Patriots off balance. Don't allow those guys to get behind you. Don't allow Mac Jones to beat you with the arm. If they're going to beat you, you have to make them one-dimensional. You have to frustrate the hoodie so much that Mac Jones is going to get happy feet and try to play hero ball. And once he tries to force the ball down the field, what's going to happen? He's going to turn it over. Plain and simple. Now, let's go around the room for final thoughts. We'll start in reverse order. Harrison, we'll start with you. Then we'll go to Kevin. We'll finish up with Jimmy. And then we'll uh, say our piece and get the hell out of here. My final thoughts, man, I guess I just want to reiterate that part. You know, the point I was talking about with Carp, you know, that, uh, you, uh, you know, that nothing's going to be given away. Everything is earned in this kind of, you know, on any team. That's what you want. So people, you know, wanting Mims to be the guy. I like Mims. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was saying before we signed Corey Davis, before we signed Keelan Cole, I was saying Mims had wide receiver one potential. Last year, he made catches. He looked like he could develop into the guy. But that key word is develop. We talked about, you know, last offseason, CJ pointed out, you know, because of COVID, he didn't have a full one. This offseason, he was ill. It's going to take time. But right now, the guys are Keelan Cole, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, and Elijah Moore. And again, I feel like as Jet fans as we are, if the four of them just absolutely ball out, no one's going to be crying about Denzel Mims anymore. I mean, if he steps up, he steps up. That's great. But we just want our team to succeed. And we just want to win games. So I'm ready to win games with whoever wants to win those games for me. Yeah, Jax, final thoughts. You know what? Harrison uh, kind of puts the battery. Yeah, Harrison puts the battery in my back a little bit here, right? Because the fact of the matter is, is I've been saying the same thing for years. Like, it's hard to ask for patience for a team that really, you know, has, has been putting off being good for as long as we have been putting it off, right? So... I, just, I, I need to see the wins. I, I, I want to see the victories. I want to see the positivity. And, you know, I, 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 I am still holding on to my belief because it, it, it's a belief. It's, a, it's a, a damn good time to be a Jets fan. This is a, a, a holistic kind of a, a, a view for me, right? Um, because, it, I, I mean, Harrison, you, you, you touched upon it. Zach Wilson, which is, the you know, what, the main thing, right? But... We really don't have much. We can just be like, oh, you know what? Eh, the hell is going on, right? We really don't have that right now. We have some stuff where we can say, oh, yeah, we made some improvements, but they haven't gelled. Realistic Jets, uh, realistic fans know that sometimes it takes time for players, you know, to, to, to kind of mesh and to play well together. That's what it is. What it is that we don't see is scrubs in every single position like what it's been. We don't see that anymore. We, we see guys that have potential. We see guys that are going to be able to make plays once they learn 
how to be professional football players in position in a lot of these in a lot of these uh you know rooms that are able to kind of mold and mentor these young guys if you really have seen in any of the the, the team uh you know, kind of uh, uh, centered stuff, you know, the, the, the one just driving all of that, how these guys interact with each other, right? Like, we, we, yeah, we talk about culture change, but these guys, they love each other, man. They love hanging around each other. They love, they love what the other players love about football. They all love it differently, but they all love it, you know, to, to an extent. I think that that to me is, 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 a, is a difference. My final thought tonight is, is, is again, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be that guy, but I think my final thought is it might not actually change at all. It's a hell of a time to be a Jets fan right now. I'm just really, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the victories. I'm looking forward to, to actually being able to go into a week and say, "Hey, you see what I'm talking about now?" I, look, this is what, this is what we've been waiting all these years for, for yeah. this opportunity, this stretch run that we're getting ready to go through. This is what it's all about, man. I mean, I I was just at the game this past weekend. Let me just say this real quick to wrap it up. And I met, shout out to Anthony Triola, uh, shout out, shout out to, to Mike and shout out to, to Freddie and Frankie and and shout out to Paul and and all those guys. I'm I'm hoping that you guys watch the show. I I, I met a, I met a lot of met a lot a lot of Jets fans, and uh, I love you guys, man. We're in a really good spot right now. We're in a really good spot right now, and. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of comfortable with the not knowing because I'm even more excited about the finding out. Let's go Jets. If you don't mind, Jimmy, if I could just piggyback quick on what Kevin's saying. I, I agree 100%, man. And I think, you know, like you were saying, it's it's actually better on like, you know, with Salah that we're not in denial, like, like Belichick, like we're win now. We're not in that denial. We know that we're rebuilding. We know, well, not, not rebuilding, but we know that we're building. We know that we're building something. And like we've talked about in the past, Rome wasn't built in the day. So, you know, uh, we're, we're going to see wins coming, but it's it, it, it's a progress. And I like that, you know, our guys understand that, and they're building us not for short-term success, but long-term success. All right, Jimmy, you're up. Yeah, my final thoughts, short and sweet. Um, but it, it kind of goes in with what you said, Kev, about how we don't see scrubs at every position anymore. We don't see anything like there. We're, we're looking at a jet that is fighting to the end, making good decisions, the coaching is there, difference in play calling, we're seeing differences in schemes, and I, and I love I love all of it. Um, I, I get that this, it's gonna, it's gonna take time for this stuff to develop, I understand that, but you'll never, you'll never not hear me say the Jets, you'll never not hear me predict the Jets are gonna lose. Yeah. Any weeks. So, my my final thoughts are just enjoy it because it's only uphill from here. It's been only uphill from the previous regime, and we're we're just on those first few steps. And they're already exciting. That's a lot you can clean up, but a lot of stuff to be really excited about too. And uh, personally, I'm super excited to see Keelan Cole sitting on the field with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Oh, like yeah. those three, I can't wait. And Jameson Crowder too. Like I can't. Like, that's the state of our wide receiving and our passing right. game at this point, is you forget that we also still have Jameson Crowder. Is, is, like, is that's it, how, as long as it's not Daniel Brown, right? <laughs> right? I mean. As long as they're not out there with Daniel Brown. Like. Bro, our oh, tight ends man. are still a train wreck. We got to get that tight end room fixed. We are. But yeah. that's, just enjoy it and uh, look forward to the Jets 
look forward to the Jets going 27-17 over the Patriots. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm 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 more of a uh, I'm more of a 31-20. I'm I'm, I'm a 31-20 guy. 31-20 uh, Jets. I can't do the I can't do the same. I can't do the same score that I predicted for Carolina because I don't want to jinx it. So I would say something like 21. Yeah, I would say something like 21-17 or like 17-14. Elijah Moore scores most likely. I hope, man. I I hope I'm wrong, bro. I hope they just freaking. Basically, my final thoughts really quick. I want to give a shout out to one of my old classmates from St. Raymond's High School for Boys, Mr. Joey Giardino. Uh, he was on the St. Raymond's Junior Varsity and also Varsity baseball team. Uh, his coach, uh, our coach, believe it or not, um, and actually one of our history instructors, uh, Ron Patnosh, uh, passed away some time ago. And in honor of um, Mr. Patnosh and the vision that he had for St. Raymond's uh, baseball team, uh, Joe took one of the uh, Ravens logos that uh, Coach Pat Nash was actually trying to pitch um, to get the uh, St. Raymond's uniforms changed too. So Joe actually took that design and he's selling some t-shirts. Um, if, you're, if you're on Facebook, if you're an old, uh, if anybody who's watching this is an old St. Ray's Raven uh, over in Parkchester in the Bronx, um, if you're an old alumni, by all means reach out to him. And uh, he'll be able to give you the details as to uh, how you'll be able to uh, get your hands on one of those shirts. So shout out to him. And recently became um, the recently became named uh, the head coach over at uh, Preston High School for one for one of their sports. I want to say basketball. So, uh, however, I could be wrong. I'm sure Joel shoot me up in in DMs and like, dude, I'm coaching this, not that. But, you know, anyhow, I wanted to give him a shout because uh, he's a good buddy of mine. Um, we go back a long way, and he's he's doing some uh, some major fundraising, uh, you know, something nice for St. Raymond's and to bring some uh, some awareness. That being said, final thoughts on the Jets-Patriots game. Plain and simple. Play 60 minutes of competitive football the same way that you did against Carolina. Don't dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of. However, I know you guys are predicting a Jets victory. I'm not. I think the Jets lose another lose a heartbreaker this week. But I think they really make the hoodie sweat. So I'm going to say 27-23 the Jets lose this one. And I think that um, Zach Wilson has a much better showing uh, than, than he did last week. Uh, this time for an entire game. So uh, another thing. Uh, shout out to Joe Jersey Haas. A uh, friend of the show. We're going to try to get him on. As uh, he's uh, doing his uh, football picks, so hopefully either week three or week four we'll we'll have him on. So we'll we'll get to reach out to him, and you know that'd be, that'd be really cool. He's man, another fellow. My man, show is pretty good. Yeah. So the green and white show. I don't know if he still uh, if he still does it with um, with uh, Amir. So um, I hope so. So those two guys are funny. All right. So. That's going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner's in crime on the other side of the glass. Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy. Kevin Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, at Spotty Blackman. Ladies, make sure you write that down. And Harrison the Fireball Glazer over at NY Jets TF Media. 
putting out some massive, massive content. Go and check him out. You follow the show on Facebook. We got a Facebook page. Hit that like button. Message us. Message you right back. We love going back and forth with people about this team. Please. Also, leave us some feedback about how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. We've also got a YouTube channel, Weapon Dark. We're trying to get to Mission 200. Help us out. Jets by Jimmy. He's got a Facebook. He's got a um, a YouTube channel. Be sure to support him. He's got everything. Yep. And, of course, every Tuesday night, you can catch one of us uh, on uh, Jets World as we do Weapons Hot Mission Briefs. Just a short little segment. Um, just, just to give you guys a teaser on what's going on over the weekend. So, plenty of ways you can consume the Weapons Hot vehicle on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Go to their Facebook page. Download the app. Plenty of different ways you can consume Weapons Hot. So... For Mr. Harrison, the Fireball Glazer, Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, and Mr. Kevin Shaft Jackson. Lovingly known by Scott Kalispie as Waffles, Purple, and the Crackhead. Oh, my Lord. This is CJ the Painkiller Diesel Bone, lovingly known as another nickname that I'm not allowed to say on the air over here. Signing off for tonight. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.